welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning, family. Um, My name is Debbie. I'm from Hawaii, and I'm a grateful believer and recovering sexaholic. I've been sober by the grace of God since April 1st of 2017. Um, I am so very grateful for all of you as my recovery family. I know that I would not be able to say my testimony of this journey without all of you going before, all of you sharing in these meetings each day. Um, I'm actually going to be reading through a script because I'm like one of those emotional people that I'm going to get it together in a moment. But I know that God has been with me through this journey. Um, Just the other day, I completed a 90-90. And you know what? Most of my meetings were here with all of you. So thank you all for your courage to keep showing up and to keep sharing. I know it's tough, um, but when we work it, it works. And thank you for being a part of my recovery. Um, I wanted to start first by just doing a short uh, word of prayer just so that um, God can be here and invite him in. Um, so if you could just, um, God, please give me the words that you want me to share. Let your words be heard to those who need to hear. May be glorified in all that we do today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for allowing me to share recovery journey. Um, it's from shame to faith, from ugly to beauty. Um, I know that all of the experiences are in my past are my past, but they're also part of my life and my testimony that God's given to me. Um, I also believe that God has a plan and a purpose to use all the hurts, hang-ups, and habits to share with others. And my testimony can help just one person with their recovery. All the horrible things that happened in my past are so more than worth it. Stepping forward in faith will allow God to move mightily, not just in my life, but in others. Here we go. Growing up, my family was a typical American family, um, except we're Canadian. So uh, we moved from Canada um, to the United States, and we had two cars. We had a beautiful home and the picture-perfect home life. We would go to church each week. My dad was a deacon in church. My mom sang in the choir. We attended not only Sunday school, but Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and any other night that something special was going on at church. I learned each day that the less trouble I was, the less I would be noticed, and the less I was told that I wasn't good enough. Well, really, if you were part of our family, it was just a little bit more than different. It wasn't perfect. It was unhappy. It was unhealthy and very dysfunctional. From the outside looking in, it was perfect, though. When we get home, my dad would yell at my mom. My dad would retreat into his room for days on end. My mom would clean the house, work really long hours. Um, she would do what my mom, what my dad told her to do, uh, and then that would leave my brother and I alone to care for ourselves. This is a memory I have starting at age 10. You know, I also remember the best thing that happened to me when I was 10. I asked Jesus to come into my life. But what that looked like, I really wouldn't know for about 40 more years. I wouldn't know true love with Jesus 
until I stepped in to celebrate recovery almost a year ago. My recovery family, including all of you, would stick with me, even if I wasn't that perfect person. Praise God. The thing I did learn was when the fighting got bad or I wasn't a good girl, I learned to isolate in the barn with all of my horses and sit and talk story. They would just listen. They were not non-judgmental, and it was safe and warm. I'd go into fantasy land of where the good girls got attention from their parents, and there was no yelling or fighting. The place where I lived for many years to cope with life, well, as it was. Moving into the later years of high school, I only had a boyfriend, and I met him at church camp. The relationship I had with this boy... It was innocent, and the most we would do was hold hands. You see, I was a gangling little girl who was told time and time again that I was ugly and stupid. But it was magical knowing that someone looked at me with such sweetness. This imprinted in my memories and just gave me hope that I would walk through this recovery, that God would give me this innocent feeling again, that he would bless me with the relationship only he knows that I can have. So the shame of being told I was ugly and stupid, you know what, it was really a blessing. I thought so low of myself I didn't have any men in my life until I went to college and met my first husband. He was my lab partner, and he was oh so very handsome. He said the right words. He treated me in a way I didn't know possible. I fell head over heels in love with him. Exactly a year later, he asked me to marry him when we were kissing in his parents' basement on the TV, um, watching TV. Of course I would marry this man of my fantasies. Who wouldn't, right? Well, we planned a beautiful wedding with all of our family present. And then the wedding night came. This man of my dreams turned into a monster. I never saw the horrific things that were coming, but I did know that I had my faith in God that got me through. This was also when I learned to tune out with with masturbation to numb the pain of the daily monster. A year later, my dysfunctional family had moved to Hawaii, and I soon followed, but not before I fell in love with a woman from a bar that I'd worked at. It was a time that I can remember of love and beauty, and this was the first time I felt alive in my sexuality. I couldn't give enough of the sex drug, and so my disease got fed more and more, but at that time, I didn't know it was a disease. And you know what? When because it was, I didn't feel beautiful, but I did feel alive. I never shared what happened with anybody but with God. Never shared this relationship because the little girl inside of me felt ugly and stupid for not knowing that this was not the right relationship, but um, also that I didn't want to tell anybody about my abusive husband and how it had ended. I met husband number two, and because I had the taste of sex and my cravings were in crazy-making stages, um, I got pregnant with my first daughter, who brought me such incredible joy I no longer needed to masturbate or act out to, my, to tame my sexual desires because I was given a gift from God and I needed to treasure it. <clears throat> she looked at me with such love in her eyes that I felt like the most beautiful woman in the world. No longer that ugly little girl. I felt like a mommy that I was destined to become. I no longer was the addict in need of sex and masturbation fix. Well, this is what I told myself to make it through those days. 21 months later, my second daughter was born, and I knew this was the purpose in life was to care for these two sweet little girls, two little girls who loved me regardless, and I loved them. But two months after my daughter was born, my husband told me that I was ugly in his eyes 
and he no longer loved me. Okay. He proceeded to say he never loved me, as I was a woman. He was trying to prove to his family that he was a man. And you know what? I didn't understand. I wasn't at a time where I could understand, and it was so many years ago. But he was a man, a man. Okay, and and in my thoughts, I didn't understand that at all. Um, In his own way, he was just trying to say that he liked men, not women, and he liked small children. So shortly after that, um, my girls and I, we got up, and we moved to my parents' cottage, and a new chapter in life began. Well, (coughs) excuse me, I soon learned that I wasn't ugly, and that if I just gave in to men with sex, they would make me feel like a woman. Giving in was feeding the beast and making me feel alive. I was totally out of control. I would leave my girls with my mom and dad for the weekend, and for the next six years, I would go and play with two different men, hoping I wouldn't get caught. My addiction was being fed, and I didn't have to feel ugly anymore. I would act out all weekend and go to church on Sundays. I hid my pain with looking like the perfect single mom, the perfect daughter, and the girlfriend who would do anything sexually to satisfy each man. I was always tired because I'd always felt like I was on stage. And so my second addiction began with diet pills. Those pills would keep me up for days, would allow me to be the perfect me, the perfect girlfriend, and do anything that was asked of me. And I wanted everyone to think that I was just perfect and not that ugly little girl. Inside, though, I was crying to be saved, crying to be taken away from this insanity. One of my boyfriends of the two introduced me to prostitutes after a trip to China on a return home to his home in San Francisco. He told me this was really going to enhance our relationship and he would love me more. Wow. In my mind, I was like, he would love me? I wanted so much to be loved by a man. And, okay, I was game for anything. As long as no one would find out about the prostitutes, I would still look like this good little girl. He then also introduced me to a very dark side of pleasure fantasy, and I was hooked. No one would know, and on the weekends I would live this life of beauty and pleasure, and I had the best of both worlds. And then it happened. Both men that I was dating asked me to marry them. Wow, I was pretty. I wasn't the ugly, stupid little girl anymore, but who would I choose? I chose the man who lived on another island, the man that seemed like the more normal of the two. But what was normal? I didn't know. This time, my normal was so broken, and I just chose what felt safer, what made me get away. I gave up the dark side, the dark things that were asked of me. The girls and I moved to the other island, and another chapter began. This marriage had to work, I told myself. This marriage, I had to be a good wife. Well, this marriage would last one year, and then something else would happen to the sick world that I lived in, the world I thought was normal. I continued to live in this fantasy world, which included masturbation to make me feel good and be a whole woman. So I thought. It was one year to date on New Year's Eve day. My husband told me he wasn't attracted to me anymore. And during the whole time we dated and the time we were married, he was sleeping with other women and men. And the reason I would constantly get sick is because he didn't use protection because he said really the only person that was going to get hurt was me, and he wanted me hurt. He said he never found me sexually pleasing, just that I would do what he wanted. And I would. I would do what it took. I was the one he used to get his fantasies met. 
He thought then that I was the healthy person on the outside, but I was always sick on the inside, that it was just me. And here came the little girl. She came up back out again, and I was relying on sex with myself to, to tune out to my well-built fantasy land. I no longer was addicted to those diet pills, but I would tune out with masturbation and back into my safe, safe fantasy world. The next week I came home to find my husband in bed with another woman. And there it goes, moving back to my home, and I started another chapter. But this was the last chapter before recovery. This is the hardest um, chapter to speak about out loud. But you know what? When I told my sponsor during my fifth step, I thought I was going to scare her away. People are so gentle. She told me she loved me. And God had this all under control. We would walk through the path together, pray at each moment in my fourth step, and give it all to God. If she hadn't been so gentle and kind, I don't think I could be truthful with her because that little girl wanted to lie to remain safe. I stayed out of my fantasy land and gave it up, all of it. This is the chapter that took eight years for me to come out on the other side. This is the chapter that is hard, but this is what my recovery is about, right? It was a fun and happy marriage while the children were still home. We are a blended family of three girls and two boys. The first few years were challenging, but with the big family, you know, what isn't, right? All five of them went away to college at one time to live on their own. My hell became reality. I once again was that ugly, stupid little girl who deserved what she was going to get. But do do you really deserve to be treated horrible? I would soon find this out. I would be living in hell. The definition of insanity is to do things over and over and expect a different result. You know what? Unless there's a variable to change things. My variable was God never left me. As distant as I was to him, God never left. As much shame as I felt, God stood right beside me. But you know what, guys? Even then, I didn't see what was coming. I had isolated for so many years, so, so many years, so no one would know what was happening in the house until it was almost too late. I didn't have any friends anymore out of shame and not wanting them to know what was going on. My mom had just passed away, who was my best friend and my best supporter, and I just didn't want to talk to anybody, except I had my fantasy land. My husband started drinking to cope with the finances, and yep, he started sleeping around. You see, I was getting sick again because of the unprotected sex he was having. My ex-husband would drink when he black, and he would black out, and he would call me names I can't repeat at all. He'd force me to do things that I am truly ashamed of. When he drank, he would black out. He'd come into my room as we slept in separate beds by this time, and he'd choke me to make me have sex with him. One night, the police were dispatched to our house, and because he had stupidly sent a text to my daughter, or was it stupid, or God intervening, but he was going to kill me. The police came, and they were feared for my life, and that was the end of it all. I cried out to God with outstretched arms, 
just like the problem says. And guess what? God got me out. That was a year ago, March 1st this year. And April 1st was when I stepped in to celebrate recovery after a good friend suggested that I go. But you know what? I said, I don't have a problem. (laughs) I told him I wasn't the person with the problem. I was the victim. He just smiled at me so patiently. But I soon realized that it wasn't me being a victim. It was me using sex to get what I wanted, to use sex to numb out and also masturbation. I stepped into the rooms of Celebrate Recovery, and I instantly felt loved, love I haven't felt ever. I knew God had got me there and that I had a new family. He loved me regardless of my past. I'd been asked to share my story in our sex addicts class, and I knew God would use this story because he was speaking through me. After getting into the STEP program for over 10 months with some amazing women, giving my heart completely to God, living a sexually pure life, having these ladies in my STEP class speak into my life, and they love me no matter what, a rocking counselor who would go to the mat for me, a sponsor who prays for me and holds me accountable for my actions, an accountability partner who holds me to the truth of God's word and prays with me daily, and a renewed relationship with God. That relationship has been restored to when I was that 10-year-old little girl over 40 years ago. I go to meetings almost every day and get to hear your amazing stories every day. I'm in service work at my church, and I have led ladies' Bible studies, and I was just blessed this last weekend when God allowed me to share a little of my testimony with over 300 women at a church conference. I'm just starting on my recovery journey. You know, I know I have to keep giving up my defects of character to God, living one day at a time, one moment at a time, need to continue not to isolate, and I know that I am the child of the one true God. I'm going to leave you all with a quote from a sobriety app that I use. Um, And the quote is, The secret of change is to focus all your energy on not fighting the old, but building the new. You know, I really hope that anything that I've said in my testimony has resonated with just one person. Thank you so much, family, for allowing me to share. And that's it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.